0: Welcome to Leader's Lens. I'm Jacob Espinoza.
1: And I am Cassidy Edwards, and we are analyzing our favorite movies through the Leader's Lens. Enjoy.
0: And we are back. New Leader. Not New Leader. That was my old podcast, New Leader Workshop. I got that still in my my memory. We're back at the Leader's Lens with my good friend Cassidy Edwards. And today we're going to talk about New Jack City. What a a pivotal movie for us that were born in the 80s. That was a classic. And this is actually my first time watching it. And I'm uh, a little embarrassed to admit that. But watching the movie, I feel like there are so many references throughout hip-hop culture that I now understand better because I've seen New Jack City. And I understand why it's just such an incredible movie. Great acting. Great directing. Great script. Like, what, what were the other things that you felt made this movie just a, such a classic movie?
1: Oh, yes. All right. There is so much good, just good things to say about New Jack City. First of all, I am a big movie fan, you know, not just black film, but also like crime film, like crime and, you know, drug dealers and like mafia. And I just really, I don't know why, but I gravitate to those movies outside of horror films. Um, so I love this movie because it really set a cornerstone for Black culture, all the way down to music, to style. You had like the big gold rope chains. You had the three finger rings. A lot of the stuff which we still rock today. You had Kangol hats that took me back to my club era. Also, you had track suits. Um, just really great like 90s um, Black culture, right? Like all the way down to creative expression. So one, sh- like a couple callouts call-outs that I really also thought were pivotal with this movie was it was Chris Rock's first major film role. Um, we all know Chris Rock, comedian. Um, it was also the directorial debut for Mario Van Peebles, uh, which really set him into the culture. And then you know, it had a superstar cast, right? Even Judd Nelson, who was the, the one of the main characters from The Breakfast Club. So y'all remember that movie from back in the day. But yeah, it was a great film. And it did remind me, going back to rewatch it, it just reminded me like how I dressed, you know, like girls that I looked up to in the streets, all of that. <laughs> so it was great.
0: And you have this classic character, Nino Brown. Yes. And... Today we're gonna to look, look take a look through the leader's lens at Nito Brown and look at some of his his characteristics. That made him an effective leader. Some of the things that led to the ultimate demise of his organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what do you think were some of the his strengths as as a leader?
1: So, and it was interesting to kind of take the leader's lens look because you really had to dive into and analyze, you know, like his behavior, how he dealt with his teams. Um, Along with what you love about the movie. So it's definitely a cautionary tale, you know, set in NYC, um, you know, the birth of hip hop, they say, uh, but about power and greed. So I think if you extract some of the strengths that he had, like he was very charismatic, he was creative, he was somewhat innovative, I would say, for himself out of his greed and his power. Um, He was very influential. and he was selling the American dream. So he knew his audience. He read the room. He knew what they wanted. And he created a solution for them, even though it wasn't in the best positive way. It was extremely toxic. But he was strategic in the optics of what that looked like. And he played towards their desperation and like what what they needed as a Black community in NYC at that time during the crack epidemic, just to set the stage
0: yeah he has that i love that moment at the beginning of the movie where he's getting everybody just rallied behind this cause and he really is talking about like this is what's in it for you like we're all going to be rich we're all going to have this thing that we so badly desire but he also paints this picture of us versus them which is always which can be a really effective tactic um And it's us, like we, we deserve these things. We're not able to get it because there's this other force that is holding us back, but this is our way to move past that. And Mm -hmm. it really creates this, a sense of unity amongst this group where they're just really willing to like, we'll we'll do whatever you want. Like, we'll just make this happen because we're riding with you and we believe in this vision that you've, you've laid in front of us. So like very, very much a a visionary, but also very focused and like determined, Mm -hmm. And like, there was nobody that could have told him, like, this isn't going to work. Like, he wasn't going to hear it. He's like, I, I, I see the path. Like, we can take this path and be just wildly successful. Um, and here are the things, here are the steps we need to do to, to get there, which, is, yeah. uh, which is, is a great strength to have as a leader. And it really allows him to, to be so effective in the role.
1: Yeah. I think with, with also being like rallying of the team, which is important, you know, you rally and you create rituals you know, for the people that you have the shared vision with. And so collectively they were really down for the cause. And he thought so big, so ambitious, you know, it was like, go big or go home. Um, Literally like he would, he would handle anyone who didn't believe in the vision. (laughs) Um, But in business, like people want to win, teams want to win. And so he painted a very glamorous picture of we're going to win and here's what it's going to look like. Are you in or are you out? And he didn't really give people the opportunity to not be in it, you know, as well.
0: And I think the other piece that we were kind of touching on a little bit is just how strategic he was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like this. There were, it was very clear that there was a path forward and he was looking at the elements available. He was looking at the resources available, understood the people that were, were would be playing important roles. And understood how to, like, give people roles within the, the, the end plan. Um, but, and just also understood, like, the macroeconomics of what was happening. And he even, like, understood the impact of what it was. And, which is unfortunate that he couldn't find a different way to, like, have a plan that would have been maybe equally as successful but just had an overall you know more uplifting impact as opposed to a plan that's going to allow a certain group of people to be very successful and then a lot of people really struggle and suffer because of it.
1: Yeah, I think he he played into that audacity of hope for like the rest of the community. Mm, yes. Because from the optics like when there was the scene like a key scene where he was giving out that like he had like the turkey dinner for the holidays And all of the people were lined up in the community to like get turkey and like he was giving away like gifts and stuff. It was almost like this ghetto, like hood, Robin Hood experience that he was giving to the Black community and living, coming from a Black community myself and like living in that situation, people lean into that audacity of hope. Like they want to see someone that represents them, you know, you know, kind of saving the community or do so while internally it was very corrupt, and you know his he wanted to make sure the optics of you know his leadership also shined, so people would you know he would convince more people to be on his side, even if you have this this um contrary scene of him like making this guy literally strip down and walk naked in the community to agree to give him these housing projects. And so on the flip side of that, it was showing the community, you know, fear me pretty much because I'm going to do what I want to do. And if you're not with me, then you're against me. And so he used all of those to like, you know, bring in. So regardless of what side you stood on, you still followed him as a leader. 100%.
0: -hmm. And I think the interesting thing is that like, these of course are um, we wouldn't see these specific scenarios in corporate culture, but we see the same type of approach to leadership in and, and corporate culture. Also, where it's very fear based. It's mm-hmm. you're with me or you're against me. Um, it's very transactional. Like if you do things that are aligned with what I want, I'm going to reward you. But if you do things that are not aligned with what I want, like I'm going to I'm going to punish you. There's going to be yeah. like immediate consequences regardless of the intention. And I, I think that these sort of films, sometimes we look at and re- we can kind of see people that we work with or I've worked with in the past and like, they're not like killing people, but they kind of take a very similar approach to how they're leading teams, which is, which is unfortunate.
1: Yeah. So we'll say that they're killing people's spirits. Like they are killing culture. They are killing morale. Um, and I, I love that you brought out the transactional leadership because Nino's leadership was definitely like, I'm going to reward you with all these shiny things. Like if you're, if you're doing what I say, or if you're doing a good quote unquote job, um, wasn't much training and development there. It was just get in there and do the thing, which a lot of us, you know, in, in environments, we get thrown in to just kind of do the job, but his authoritarian leadership style really stood out. So commanding, controlling, do as I say, and that authoritarian, I mean, it it does have pros and cons. If you think about it more so cons, in my opinion, like it's definitely the least effective, but there are some pros that he kind of brought out within that movie.
0: Yes. is an interesting dynamic. I feel like we've kind of swung the pendulum on servant leadership and authoritarian leadership, but I would kind of put on different ends of a spectrum in some ways. Mm-hmm. But I think some leaders are so afraid of coming across as authoritarian that they don't want to like take control and make a decision. They're like literally scared of it. They want everything to be at the consensus of the group but the reality is like you're the leader. You're the one that needs to make these decisions. You should be listening to people and you should be taking in their ideas and understanding their perspectives because those are data points you can use when you're making a decision. But the at the end of the day if you're the leader, like you need to be the one that's confident enough to make a decision and making sure people understand that once the decision's made, like we're moving forward and this is this is how the team operates from here on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say the That kind of leans into the the pros of an uh, authoritarian approach. Um, The decision making is agile, it's quick, it's fast. It could be seen as efficient and maybe consistent. So in the movie, it worked for him to take over like the Carter Projects as a complete drug enterprise. His decision making was quick. It was like this is what we're going to do. Now on the other side of that, you have literally the cons of it. You know, people don't like being controlled. You know, you would have dissatisfaction in your team, high turnover, or in Nino's case, you would get killed, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, low quality of work. So in (laughs) those rigid environments, I've noticed in these type of movies where it's like crime or um, crime drama type movies, the um, people being controlled starts to erode the morale to where now someone wants to be above that leader. So then it turns into like the power and the greed and then that's when it blows up usually.
0: Yes, there's this transition where at the beginning of the movie when they were building and like things were going great for their their organization where it was all we can do this. Like we're in this together. Like look, these are the things we can make happen. And then it shifts and he's like I am so great. I don't need any of you. And that's where you really start seeing things you know had had the wrong direction and things kind of fall apart because um, there is just, just like arrogance and ego that comes with it where he just really starts feeling like, you know, I kind of did this by myself. I don't need any of you. And the people feel like, you know, like, what do you mean you don't need me? Like we've been side by side making this happen the entire time. And, you know, people yeah. aren't as bought into the aren't bought into the vision at that point when they feel like their their hard work isn't even being recognized or their value isn't being recognized.
1: Right. And I think he, he does a really good job of like weaponizing mantras. So within the movie, he, they, they start off with this mantra of like, am I my brother's keeper? Right. Like it's their, it's their, their collective and their brotherhood and sisterhood. And like, uh, there is one, one woman there who plays like a big role, Vanessa Williams. She plays Keisha. She's kind of like a hit woman basically, but part of the, part of the, the empire. And by the end of the movie, Am I Brother's Keeper is really weaponized to show like, this was me. I did this. We actually didn't do this and you betrayed me. So now you're going to be basically punished for what you did. Um, And so I think in business, we have to think about when we're creating rituals and when we're making our values, we have to live those out in real time and not weaponize them. You know, um, for example, if hustle is a is a value. It has to be defined. It has to be operationalized. So you're not saying someone's not hustling. They're not literally burning out and working 25 hours in a day, 25, eight, you know, versus 24, seven, um, you have to really set the stage and the expectations for those values in a positive way. You know,
0: that's great that I love that so much because I, I do feel like there is a slippery slope where you kind of like have a general idea And for you, it might seem clear like what this word means and what the expectations that come along with this word are. But in the reality, your team doesn't, And especially as you grow and scale. And now if you're scaling a business as an example, and there's just five of you, like at that point, everybody's probably pretty aligned because you're talking enough. The conversations are happening. um, They were there when the values were created. But as you're bringing people on, a lot gets lost in translation. You know, so it's really important to have definition to what what is expected from those values. I think the other piece that is uh, just a consistent theme is how damaging what they were doing was on the community. Mm -hmm. And if you have an organization and the things you're doing are only benefiting a few, it's going to be hard to keep people bought in because greed is going to wear down at some point. And at some point, they're going to have enough money and they're going to realize like what we're doing is not good. I just don't want to be part of this any longer. And you're going to lose good people if you're making decisions that aren't moral and ethical, or aligned with some sort of a a value system that's a bigger cause than your own pocketbooks, because money can only go so far in in driving people forward.
1: Yeah, I I love when leaders like really good leaders um, take their mission and their vision, and they really unpack it with their teams, you know, because it's like, well. This is what this means to me. What does it mean to you? It may mean something different, but it's all within the big picture where we're working towards this this goal or this vision. And I think, like you said, it definitely gets lost in translation. Um, And a community, even a community in the workplace, like it has to be, it has to be sound. Like it has to be solid, and you have to keep working at it. It's definitely a marathon. It's not a sprint, um, as they say. So I would say, yeah, he he did a horrible job. It, it really pouring into pouring into the community and having a vision that wasn't um, outside of himself. Like everything was very him, very narcissistic, very egotistical. So you start thinking about the personality traits of a leader um, and it really showed what not to do.
0: <laughs> what were the other things that stood out when you think about leadership and looking at Anita Brown as a leader?
1: Yeah, so I think that he... He tried at the end, he kind of tried to to get out. He was manipulative for sure. Like he manipulated every situation. um, Didn't really care about anyone outside of himself based on his behavior. Um, He wanted to give and gift and reward his team just so he could rise. So it wasn't, hey, let me walk through this door. Let me be the first to create this big empire and let me bring you all along. It was just like, Hey, I'm using you basically, and I'm manipulating you. And sometimes you see leaders that um, will take credit for things or, you know, and that's, that's really all it's doing a disservice to your team. It's, it's eroding all of the culture. Um, You know, it's creating those rigid environments without the right support and it's stifling innovation and creativity, you know? So on the flip side of it, you had Ice-T who was a cop in the movie um, and that was one of, I think one of his first like cop, because he's still on TV. I think now as a cop, but yeah. a different, a different show.
0: What an incredible performance by ST as yes. well. Yeah. This, this was one of his first or his first movies, but just like steals the show really, you know, throughout the movie yes. side note, but.
1: Yeah, no, he was he was great in the movie. I love seeing so so many stars, so many people. Um, even down to like favor, Flavor Flav and like Keith Sweat, you know, like yeah. in the film doing what they do. Um, but with Ice T on the flip side, he was a leader that thought outside of himself and even tried to help other uh characters, mainly Chris Tucker in the movie Pookie. Um, he tried to help him get better because he w- he was an a, an addict in the movie who was trying, who was actually working uh, behind the scenes um, to help Ice-T, but, you know, he tried his best to stay with him, um, you know, and just pour into the community because he was part of the community. So sometimes leaders don't understand what their team needs because they're coming from a lens that is not the same as your team. Specifically, if you have like black and brown team members and you're not, you know, you're not black and brown, you may want to understand and connect with those team members to understand really their experience, so you can so you can help enhance it in the workplace. You have to you have to connect with your employees. You have to understand where they come from.
0: Yeah, people need to feel seen, right? They need yeah. to feel like they have a boss that really wants to understand who they are and why they make their decisions, and is not just immediately, you know, judging their their uh, their actions because there's always. People generally do things with the best of intentions. And when we don't understand why somebody did something, sometimes we just need to take a step back and think through like, what am I missing? There's probably some piece of information that if I understood would make this decision make more sense. And if we could focus on that, we can gain a lot of clarity into why people are doing the things that they do, which will allow us to be more effective in, in leading them.
1: Yeah. And, you know, he, I think he, the really the demise of his empire outside of the cops, you know, is, is he was losing trust with his team members. He was, he was killing the trust, you know, even down to his like main love interest, I guess you could call her. Um, He really messed up, you know, all the trust with his behavior, his actions, his words and his actions didn't align. And at the end that, that pretty much, you know, it, it bit him in the ass, if I'm being honest, like, because people will come back and, and use what they know um, against you if you're doing, you know, bad, immoral, unethical things. And so that, that happened as well. So spoiler alerts, but definitely you need to watch this film if you have not seen it in a while. Yeah.
0: And I think the, like the kind of the, um, he definitely underestimated the police and what they were doing, what they were capable of and the power that they had to bring down his organization And you had this team of of people that were police officers that were very mission focused. And like they saw the impact. They were doing this because they wanted the entire community to be better versus an organization that was entirely money and greed focused. Mm -hmm. And you you see what happens when that's the only focus. Like it it fizzles out. Lack of trust becomes people become paranoid because they want more and more. They feel like people are going to take from them. And they end up losing against this group that is focused on the mission itself. And I think there's a valuable lesson we can take from that as well. Like if, as a business, first, we do need to make money as a business. So it's okay to like have that be part of our focus because if the business isn't profitable, if the business is successful, like everybody loses their job. But we don't want that. But that can't be the only thing. Like there has to be this other vision and mission around why you're doing the things that you're doing that will allow people to continue pushing forward because people want to be part of something better than them. They want to feel like they're making the world a better place.
1: Yes. And they want to have um, you know, that sense of purpose and that sense of belonging. And I think sometimes in the workplace, you know, it, it's it, there's words thrown out about like, well, do I fit in, fitting in, fitting in? But it's it's not really about fitting in because you should want to stand out, you know, in your teams. Like that's important. But you do want to feel like you belong. You do want to be seen, you do want to be valued. So when you have that distrust and just that authoritarian transactional leadership it's not sustainable if you want to have a successful high performing team those don't those aren't mutually exclusive like they don't live in the same world um, and so i think the film really depicted what that looks like in a very like hardcore raw scenario but it's still you know it still it still holds true and then also you know at the very end he also reaped what he sowed you know, as managers or leaders, you do reap what you sow with anything else. So if you set a foundation of just negativity, trust, you're projecting onto your team, you don't have a level of self-awareness, emotional intelligence, you know, it's going to come back around to you in some way, you know, and it definitely came back around to Nino at the end.
0: And you had a bar in there I want to call out, let people stand out, but make sure they feel like they belong. Like we yeah. have to kind of let them spread their wings and do their thing, let them be great in, the, in their own way, empower them to really build on their strengths. But we also need to make sure that people do feel belonged on the team and we have, have ownership and things we need to do as leaders to make sure that that happens. So I love how you phrased that. That was great. Yeah, thank you. New Jack City, powerful tale the rise and fall of Nino Brown, like uh, a a common story arc, you know, started from the bottom, made great things happen, but his flaws, his arrogance got in the way. A lot of paranoia happened along the way and he just couldn't trust his team. And when we don't have trust on a team, like everything else falls apart. And we we see that exactly happen in in New Jack City.
1: Yes. Also moral of the story, don't do drugs.
0: And don't do drugs and, you know, be part of a, a, do things that support your community and the health of the community, and people will rally behind you. As opposed, to when they see you turn the community down, they're probably not going to want to be part of that too for too too long. Yeah. What what movie should we talk about next time, Cassidy? What's what's the plan? I love this. This is so much fun.
1: So you know, Black History Month. So we're gonna stay like in the theme. I would say, um, I don't know. I really maybe a comedy would be kind of fun. Mix I love up. White Men Can't Jump. I don't know okay. if y'all coming to America, like these are some really great comedies that you can put under the microscope of the leader lens. Like there are always business lessons and leader lessons that you can take away from the protagonist and the antagonist and everybody else in between. So I love these conversations.
0: Me too. One of my goals this year was to start watching more movies because I was really into movies for a long time, like taking classes in college about film. And I just kind of like, haven't made it a priority, even though I, I really enjoy it. So this is just like a perfect blend of of things I'm passionate about. And I'm excited to explore this with you this year, Cassidy.
1: Yeah, let's get it.